Grab your pre-workout and turn up that volume. It is time for a new episode of the Powerlifters Den with your host, Cam Smith. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode eight of the Powerlifters Den. I'm Cam Smith, and today I want to bring on a recent friend of mine. Um, he has a pretty interesting story, a pretty interesting place to train. Uh, Josh, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Josh Rondo. Uh, I own World Beater Barbell Club. Um, that's pretty much it. It's my intro. Yep. So, uh, Josh, where are you? Where's your gym located? Of? So we're in Western Mass, um, right outside of Springfield. It's a it's a private facility in South Hadley. Awesome. Um, I mean, you've talked a lot about it. Uh, seems like a pretty interesting place to train. Um, for what I've heard, for it being out of a garage, it seems like you have everything under the sun and some things that people don't even have. Um, tell me a little bit about what kind of got you started into creating your own gym. So I started strength training um, when I joined the military, so right out of high school. And uh, I always kind of lifted in, you know, maybe crummier atmospheres. Most people would say, like, the hangar of a ship or whatever, the on-base gym. So that environment was kind of normal for me. And, uh, you know, I got out of the service, kept lifting, got into powerlifting competitively. And, uh, you know, you train at other facilities, you train at public gyms, but – you always kind of wanted your own space, especially with the equipment and moving into gear. You kind of needed a facility. So I trained at my buddy uh, Tyler's gym, uh, North Street Strength, for about five years. We kind of compiled a lot of stuff. And then when uh, my wife and I bought my house, we were like, we're going to build, our, you know, we're going to have our own spot, our own gym. So we uh, we moved in there and immediately I had stockpiled equipment for like years, like older Jubinville stuff. So pretty much right from the day we moved in, after renovating the garage, we we were off and running. So we have a monolift out there. Um, it's custom built. It's got weight storage, deadlift platform, uh, bench rack. Uh, we threw a fat pad on there. Vertical leg press, Smith machine, leg curl, leg extension, reverse hyper, standing calf, flat pull-down cable row, uh, adjustable dumbbells from like 5 to like 175 pounds. And then we have about 30 bars. Um, so, and all the weight you can imagine. And we started stockpiling this all before COVID and the prices got crazy. So we were kind of, you know, able to train through it and, and amass kind of a culture and a group in there. So it's, it's, it's really worked out. It's been a really positive experience. Yeah. I think it's, um, pretty interesting too. um, to have a mono at, at your house is one thing considering I'd say in Massachusetts, there's probably 10 total. Um, I can't even, I don't even know if I can count to 10 total that I know of. Yeah. So my wife's not too, uh, too happy about it. We have a, uh, a permanent arrangement where every time it snows, I will do all snow removal until she can park her car in the garage, which is not in the foreseeable future. Cause that thing's bolted to the floor. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I have to, you know, you got to kind of make it work. You got to kind of work around it, but the, the garage, we have a two car garage. It's solely designated to strength. So it's, it's really cool. It's nice to have, you know, whatever you want four feet from your door. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. I mean, I have my own little garage gym, but nowhere the caliber of yours. Uh, mine's kind of just like a, if I need to get a workout in, I can get it done type of thing. Um, yeah, it took it took a while, it took years to build. It didn't happen. It wasn't like one day. You know, you're you're getting whatever you can over time, but eventually it pans out. You know, I know a lot of people kind of went that route. Yeah. So, um, so I guess before we dive more into a bit about your gym, um, let's talk about it your powerlifting career, um, maybe what got you started into it? What was your first meet? Have you always done single ply, things like that? 
Um, so I started training, like I said, in the military and it was primarily calisthenics, a lot of running, stuff like that, you know, push-ups, uh, pull-ups, sit-ups, um, body weight squats like that. So I did that for the four years there and a gentleman, uh, by the name of Dustin St. George, um, he kind of introduced me to lifting when I was like 18. So, you know, we obviously had no real idea what we were doing. He, he had gone to, uh, butts. And, uh, um, I think he, I'm trying to remember exactly. He, he quit the week after hell week, but he was, he was, and he, now he's a medical doctor. So he went off to, to really be a successful person, but he kind of was the first person to like teach me about lifting. And that kind of just stuck. Like it was kind of our way to pass time in the military. So I did that for four years, pretty much regularly. And then when I got out, um, I read starting strengths and then obviously five through one and kind of moved into other books and this is before like social media was really a thing you know there were powerlifting meets and, and stuff like that so we kind of just started jumping in and competing um so I did a couple of meets at uh, the institute of iron they were unsanctioned they were just like bench only and then i started competing in you know actually organized federations but i i like single ply personally right now but i've compete competed in pretty much all the other you know types of lifting so it's not like, uh, you know, I've competed raw, I've competed in unlimited, I've competed in multiplayer. It's all, it's, it's all good. It's all fun. Um, but for me right now, I'm just on a really big single ply kick. I don't know what it is. It just, I enjoy it. And you got to do what you love. If you're not having fun, why are you wasting your time? You know? So, yeah. I mean, this point's definitely about just having fun. I mean, I, I know you like to give me shit about being raw every time you see me, but I don't yeah. know. Some, someday, <laughs> someday I might hop into something. I, I think it's too fractured. I think I think powerlifting. There's so many great people in powerlifting that I've just met in my experience that are you know good at their avenue. They're very good at what they do, and I think you know we already have enough strife with how many other different just the way society looks at powerlifters in general. You know what I mean? Like these people are just meatheads, and generally most of us are. I'm not going to lie, but there's there you know there I've met some really smart, motivated people. But with, with everything out there, it's just like if you love to train raw and it gets you to go to the gym and do your why, – why would you – there's not – you know what I mean? Like why would you look at something else? Like that's what motivates you, that's fine. Now it's the same for Unlimited. You want to use a band shirt and that's what gets you jacked up, do it. You like single ply, go that route. Like it, does, it doesn't matter. The point is we're all pushing for this goal of improvement. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're all part of the same family at the yeah. end of the day. And who am I to tell anybody what else, what the fuck they should be doing? You know what I mean? I can barely figure out what I'm doing. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so I guess a bit on your career, and I, you said you've met a lot of people along the way who have been some of like the biggest either influences or have taught you some of the greatest lessons in the sport. Um, without a doubt, I, I got a good list. Um, Kenny Toth at the Institute of Iron uh, has probably taught me the most. Um, when I first went into his gym, I think I was squatting like 450, you know, close stance, Olympic shoes, really, really deep. Um, and he kind of was like, you know, you got to start squatting wider. He kind of exposed me to different literature. He's like, read these books, read this book. Um, and it started with like the West Side Book of Methods and other stuff like that. But within like a four-year period, just putting on a suit, fucking around, I was squatting 825. So after, you know, him kind of guiding me on that i kind of learned a more appropriate way to train because it's mostly for me i was doing linear progression looking at a lot of like the bill star stuff the, the five by fives um 
doing cleans and shit like that. So, and not saying there's anything wrong with it, but like when you start focusing, you know, maybe on one Avenue, um, and that being powerlifting, I got better at it. So, uh, Kenny, Kenny was a huge influence and that's kind of what led me into single ply too, was looking at his numbers to his lifetime drug free. I'm lifetime drug free. So I was like, well, I don't know if I'll ever beat this guy. He's really strong, but if I can be in the conversation or at least lift some of the, around the same numbers as, as him, that would have been respectable. Andre Skiba, uh, he also trained with Kenny. They started training together, I want to say, in 1973. So they went through, like, all the phases of when people were just lifting raw to the earliest exposure of gear. Um, and uh, Joe Caligari, he trains out of Skiba's gym. Probably the best pound-for-pound equipped bencher I've ever met. Um, and I'm talking in, in – in multi-ply and single-ply. I mean, he back in, like, you know, he's lifting significant numbers in denim at 181. So he was a really big influence. Um, then I would have to say Justin Kavanaugh, um, just from, like, a, a, a critical thinking standpoint, he, he does an NFL combine prep and works with a lot of the guys on uh, USA track, and he's just – he's a really smart guy. He's taught me a lot of stuff. Um, you know, uh, Donnie Thompson, great guy, great, great person, great guy to talk to. Um, I met him at um, one of the body tempering seminars and we, we still, you know, keep in touch. William Lee, um, probably one of the biggest uh, influences I've had in terms of learning gear. Um, yeah. Just a general, just a general good guy to shoot the shit with too. Like he's, uh, he's just a big loud Texan. So when he's watching this, I, I hope he hears that. But yeah, there's there's a lot of good people I know in powerlifting that uh have kind of just shaped my idea and views of things. Um, and you know, a lot of them train very differently than I do, or you know, have trained um, in different styles. But I think there's a lot of there's a lot of knowledge out there, you know, from people who are older than you that have been in the sport that it's still applicable even if you're using different stuff. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, everyone, you can learn something from everyone, even people that have not even been involved in the sport so long might just know something that someone else might not pick up on. Like they might just have a good eye for something, things like that. Yeah. Um. So I guess the next thing I want to talk about with um is some of the books you've read as well as the book you have yourself. All right. Um. Books I've read, Uh. like I said, this whole wall back here is just all all strength training books but um some of the best ones i've read obviously uh 531 was really influential for me early on um just because i just the style of training i think anybody with any equipment like any like you don't need you know you start getting into conjugate and other uh things where there's more variables in there it's great to have different bars bands you know chains etc um, but five three ones was really, I think, influential early on because you could just train with whatever. You know, you had a, you had a straight bar, a bench, and a squat rack. You could you could run that program into the ground and still get better. Yep. So that was a huge uh, book, all all the series though, because Jim really tweaked it and started, you know, exposing more areas of conditioning and other things. So it kind of really works for anybody's uh, sort of goal. So five three one was a really good book. Nate Harvey's Conjugate You, I think that was a really good explanation of the conjugate system um and again it's super practical and it really makes it so anybody can kind of throw that in obviously collegiate athletes uh west side book of methods um i think i think everybody under the sun's probably at least glanced at that if you're in gear that's that's become a pretty big one um it's bible 
Yeah, I'd say, I would say at this point for powerlifting, it's essentially it's it's there. Um, you know, it's it's you either went there's either two classes. You either were super into starting strength, or you were super into fucking conjugate. And granted, yeah. both they both have their merits. They both have information in there that anyone can benefit from. Uh, anything fucking Bill Starr wrote, honestly, in my my opinion, even though times have changed, but just uh, in terms of some of the training stuff. Just the idea of uh, supplementation, the way he talked about vitamins, minerals, um, and just prepping for competition in general. I think that was huge. Um, Chico, Chico's books were, were uh, the one that's translated into to Russia. I think it's this fucking thing right here. This one, this one was really, really good. Um, that's the one where you're talking about that Soviet spring method, um, and that was. The first time I ever saw that. Um, trying to think. Uh, Secrets of the Soviet Sports uh, Sports and Fitness. Larry Pacifico's Champion of Champions. Uh, Bill Sinu's book and uh, John Cook's uh, uh, John Cook speaks on powerlifting. Terry Todd's book on powerlifting was big too. All those older books that you can't find that are on eBay for like four hundred fucking dollars. Those are the good the good ones. Yeah. I, I do want to start getting into some more literature of those books. I've skimmed a couple of one. I've read the West Side one, of course, uh, as I kind of have to. Um, as someone who trains a conjugate style and kind of coaches that style, uh, yeah, obviously it's important to know how it works. But um, so, what's the name of your book? Where can people find the it? The book. Uh, the book I wrote is High School Barbell Club. Um, that's on Amazon. Uh, you can get the ebook or the paperback. I think the paperback's 12 bucks. It's pretty bad that I don't know it. But that book was written for high school kids who just didn't have a strength coach. So, and, and really that book is kind of a catalyst of what uh, other books I've read or recommend. So it's really kind of a plug for other people's books, um, which is a basic knowledge of, of uh, you know, the squat, bench, deadlift, um, and, and some accessory movements to that. It's, it's real, real simple stuff, but it's for somebody who doesn't have access. Like this is their first time walking into a gym, essentially, is kind of the, the audience I was looking at. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. If anything can help a new athlete get their foot in the door, I'm all for it, so. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I, I kind of looked at it. You know, there's so many smart people out there who've said so many profound things way better than I have. So I just I just felt like there was not, a compiled resource to tell people what resources to look at. Cause when you get into strength training in the beginning, it's kind of like, everybody's like, well do this method or do this method or my method. It's like a lot of methods out there work. Yeah. You know, you got to find the one that you, that resonates with you internally. And that's where you're probably going to find the most success. Yeah. You know? So I, I guess moving on from here, um, we'll talk a little bit about your gym. Um, you mentioned the Soviet spring system. Um, yeah. That's something that I did not know about until a couple of days ago when you explained it. Uh, I want to dive into that. Yeah. So I can't take credit for this and I'm not going to fucking try to, this is, uh, this was invented in, in Russia. So if you look at that Chico book, you see a photo of them using springs as they are like fucking garage door springs for like a, a you know, garage door. Um, and I had seen this and I, I'd never heard anybody talk about it. I, and when I was at Westside, Louie and I had this conversation 
And Louis was like, oh, yeah, they, they use it. They use that over there big time. And I'm like, well, why the fuck are the Russians using springs for fucking garage doors to lift with? And he's like, oh, they can't get bands out there. And I was like, holy shit, he's, he's right. Like, they can't get that equipment. They don't have the access to the same equipment over here. And I don't know if it's so much that they can't. It's just the springs don't wear wear out. Whereas, you know, like, think about if you ever use bands all the time, you're buying new bands every year. The springs hold up. So we, I went down to uh, the hardware store. I bought two sets of garage door springs. Like, uh, so I bought one that's, we, we measured out as like 200 pounds of tension, fully mm-hmm. stretched, like lockout. And then the other one was like 150. Um, we ran the band pegs through the monolift and I got like a, a welded circle, hooked that on there with a really strong carabiner and we use it. And it's, it's, it's different. It's, it's similar to the bands in AR, but um, the, the bands go all the way down, obviously. The, the garage door springs, once the spring, you know, extends all the way and then closes, it kind of stops. So it's a really good uh, kind of parameter for where to stop at good mornings. Or, you know, if, if you have it set to a uh, box squat height, when you come off the box, it immediately engages. So you really don't have any of that AR on you when you're sitting on the box, if, if you're box squatting and you have it set to the, the, the right height or, or the athlete's height. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a cross between bands and, and chains in terms of feel, but it, it's just another stimulus to use. But I, I saw it in the book and, you know, Louis was like the only person I knew who knew what the hell it was on this side of the Atlantic Ocean. So, yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, definitely the first time I've heard of that. And now I'm kind of curious to try it out. So um... we, we it, it's it the, the AR is extremely intense. I will say like 200 pounds of spring at lockout feels a lot worse 100 pounds of band at lockout but you know we just throw it in the rotation just like anything else like chains weight releasers you know it, it has a place i think in training awesome and then like you said you said you have over 30 bars um maybe if you could pick like a top three or um i believe you said you kind of designed one yourself want to talk about those yeah so I, I invented the hook bar and patented it. It's a, essentially a giant camber with uh, hooks in it. And that was for band tension adjustments. So normally we kept finding anytime I'd use a camber bar, you really only had two places you could put the band. You could either A, drape the band over the collar. And being how the bar is cambered, the band is not as stretched as it would be if it were on your shoulders. Or B, you'd run it over the plate. And that would be sufficient atten- uh, um, tension, but it was a bitch to set up. You had to pull a blue band or double blue bands over 45 pound plates. It's, it's a pain in the ass. So we put, we had a big bar made, you know, we, we, we did 10 of them in our, in that first run and we had the hooks put on the inside and I made it wide enough that you could fit like five blue bands on there without affecting each other. But basically you'd have now six options with one band. So we did the measurements, you know, once at lockout, uh, the top hook, one blue band is a hundred pounds. So you have two blue bands, you know, on one on each side, you have 200 pounds of tension. As you drop each hook, you drop 10 pounds. So you'd have the four hooks on the inside, then you'd have the sleeve and then you'd have also on the plate. So there's a lot of variation to put the bands. Now you're taking, you know, one set of bands and now you're getting six new options out of it. That just kind of prolongs a conjugate cycle. It just gives you more opportunity to do different things. Um, but that being said, it really we started to see the bread and butter of it with uh, forward-facing bands, like hooking bands up to the mono in front of you and pulling you in, 
and it's also really uh, caught on with Good Mornings. So it's 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 essentially just a really big camber bar that sways like a son of a bitch and has hooks on the inside for more band adjustments. So um, cool. as far as three bars, if I could pick three bars, I wouldn't have bought fucking thirty of them. <laughs> but but uh, I would say the best bars I've used right now, hands down, the uh, that new Rogue Camber Bar. That fucking thing is just the Cadillac, uh, a Buffalo Bar. That new Rogue Buffalo Bar is the fucking best Buffalo Bar I've ever used. I've used the Duffalo Bar, which I really liked the Duffalo Bar. I like the neural on it, but the width of it, I would have liked a bar closer to like uh, like an actual comp squat bar. So this bar, I believe they called it the Terry the Todd Bar. It. Yeah. What? Yeah. The I mean, they for it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that fucking thing. Uh, that that's the Cadillac of Buffalo bars. So we have that one. I really love that. We have the original Buffalo bar. So the, I believe the rogue one's a 4.5 inch camber, whereas the original one was like two inches. And then Yukon made that fucking or tight made that Yukon bar. That's like a six inch camber or that thing. So we have all those. So we kind of have them all in the cycle. Uh, but if I had to pick three bars, I'd say that rogue bar, the Mars bar, the Mars bar is really cool. It's really fun to use. Zach Mars is a good guy. It's a good friend of mine, um, but it's just it's just, it's different than anything else. Um, and uh, in terms of specialty bars, uh, I had uh, Black Widow make me a McDonald bar, which every you know everybody's seen the the McDonald bar. It's essentially that the Camber bar you'd bench with. Yeah, uh, they did an axle bar version of it. That 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 guy that thing's pretty badass. We've been using that a lot lately. Um, and then, you know, just, a, just a normal, like Texas squat bar, um, a good deadlift bar too. Having a good deadlift bar makes it, makes a difference. I mean, you don't need 40 bars, but it just makes them fun. And it, you know, I would have spent, spent it on something stupid. So, well, maybe 40 bars is stupid, if you're, if you're not powerless, but I, we use them all and they're fun. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a hobby to like add more stuff to the gym. Yeah. I mean, I guess everyone likes to collect their own things and collect yeah. barbell it's your thing so as well as books <laughs> yeah yeah just nerd shit i guess that's what i'm doing <laughs> yeah um i guess my next question for you would be is when is your next competition i'm gonna do a bench only meet august 19th um in milford connecticut um i'm just gonna go down there and single ply and just bench and then i'm taking the rest of the year off just focusing on uh, uh school stuff my degree and then uh we got a lot of other guys in my gym who are going to compete. So really just, we kind of rotate through and handling each other that way, you know, everybody kind of gets to get some meats under the belt and they're the center of attention. You don't have four or five guys trying to take them. It's, it's tough when you don't have enough handlers. So yeah. I'm going to one meet in August. And then, like I said, we have a whole bunch of guys competing in uh, November, um, October timeframe. So just kind of train that fun for the rest of the year after that. Cool. Um, I guess for in terms of like how your gym operates with it being in your garage, um, is it an LLC? Like, do you have memberships? How does that, how does all that work? The private club. Um, and that private club is just hand selected people, guys that are legit. You know, we know they're going to work. They know they're going to show up. They're going to be consistently there. Um, we do have friends obviously come in and drop by, but the group of people I've known, most of them, if not all of them for many, many years. Um, so it's, it's a really, it's a really tight knit group. It's, it's, you know, it's, 
it's it's working class guys. Everybody shows up though and work. So it's it's um it's basically we train as a group uh two days a week and then uh so we have a Monday session and then a Thursday session and then uh Saturday some guys will come and get like assistance lifts in and uh you know maybe a secondary day if they're working on something. But generally it's we train at night because everybody's got wives and kids and you know they're 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 working so when they get this is the only time we can really all make it work um in terms of your training regimen or schedule what is what is a week for your training look like so for me um generally a max a max effort uh lower to start the week and that would be a monday um a max effort up around thursday um, and then Saturday is, is just whatever I, I can get in or what I need to work on. So if I'm spo- specifically focusing on something like a meet, um, and I'm doing hypothetically, we'd say bench only that Saturday would be like a secondary raw day. But, uh, generally when I'm training the three lists for competition, you know, we'll have, we'll have, uh, you know, max lower, you're going to work on your squat. You're going to, you know, work up. if we're, if we're peaking for, like I said, a meet or we're preparing for a meet, you're going to be getting used to, you know, that level of it, but generally a max effort lift, a uh, bunch of assistant lifts to work on that. Um, same thing with upper. And then throughout the week, like I said, Saturday would be where I'm really lagging. And then if I have other areas throughout the week, like just small stuff, single joint stuff, I'll hit that up maybe for 15 to 20 minutes in the gym, depending on, you know, work stuff and then school stuff. So it's, you know, I used to train when I was younger, we trained four days a week, but now that I'm, you know, getting up there, not that old, but you know, I'm almost, I'll be 40 in a few years. It's we three days a week sufficient, still getting better, still getting stronger, still in PRs. So. Um, In terms of like planning out your week, do you kind of plan your whole thing a week out or do you kind of go into the gym and decide that day? If it's a meet, there's meat, there's a significant meat prep, there's significant uh weights I want to handle, two competitive form, no leniency. If you're benching in a shirt, you know, your yeah. no hands are on the bar, the bar's coming all the way down, it's gonna pause, it's gonna come back up, you're gonna hold it at lockout, then you're gonna rack it on command. So that that specific um, if it's you know, like you you're preparing for a squat, you're gonna be squatting to depth, you're gonna be getting a call. Um, and just sort of be working on things that'll be, you know openers as you get closer um i think the big thing is trying to give yourself enough time before the meet to not touch too heavy weights before you know like as you're coming up to it um now if it's off season if it's there's no meat on the board um we'll just do a conjugate style rotation we'll do you know whatever the bar is we'll come up with a challenging variation try to stay away from stuff you're good at try to find stuff you're, you're not good at you know um and then, like I said, anywhere from four to six exercises for assistance. And then um, for your crew, I guess, uh, are you guys mostly equipped? Are you some raw? Are you a good every, blend? Every level of powerlifting. We have unlimited. We have single ply. We have multi ply. We have raw guys. We have we have uh, every every conceivable um, style of competitive lifting in there. That's awesome. Yeah, we are you know, people, people talk shit joking around, but no, everybody wants to see everybody be successful. So yeah, all, all the, all the types of lifting. Yeah. Um, I guess as we're kind of wrapping things up, if you could tell a young power lifter or a young gym goer kind of getting into the sport, one piece of advice, what would you say? 
give yourself credit for what you've done. Don't look at other people's numbers and say, I'm not where I'm at here, or this person is, you know, way ahead of me. I think every single person is different. We all have different uh, genetic potential. We all have different limb lengths. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different areas where we need to work on. Some people are just naturally gifted right off the rip. And you see that in sports. And then there's other people who are late bloomers and it takes them a little bit of time to kind of develop who they are, but be patient with yourself. Be proud of what you do. Enjoy the journey of training because everything in life is finite and we don't have forever. So, you know, even if you have a bad day in the gym, it's still better than, a, uh, you know, not getting in there. Even if you have a, even if you bomb out at a meet or you don't get to experience, you know, the things you maybe want or, or attempts you had planned, you still got to fucking get on the platform. And that in itself is a gift because life's short, you know? So I would just say, you know, listen, learn and uh, give yourself credit when credit's due. That's a great piece of advice. Uh, I like to always say, you'll always regret not going to the gym. You'll never regret showing up, even if you don't want to be there. Um, yeah. So I guess before we wrap things up, um, just you can find me on Instagram at lift.smith. Uh, Josh, why don't you let them know where they can find you? Uh, we are at World Beater Barbell Club. Uh, I don't think they, it's one word. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's yeah. one word. <laughs> uh, text off my thing. I don't know if you can tell. I'm wearing a fucking Waylon Jennings shirt. Um, but yeah, uh, World Beater uh, Barbell Club. That's us. Awesome. Um, I wanted to thank you again for coming on this week's episode. Um, I had a great talk and uh, looking forward to seeing you again sometime. Maybe I'll make my way out there at some point. Yeah, uh, absolute pleasure to be on. Again, open invite, you know. Um, I'm sure we'll cross paths. You train at enough places around here and, you know, yep. so I'll open invite anytime. Awesome. Thank you again. Yeah. Take care. All right. This concludes episode eight of the powerlifters. Then 